0: We're going to talk about the devil a lot today. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I want to let you know something that I need. I need to just kind of open something up and speak very, very clearly. Because I know we, we throw out a lot of things. And I want to kind of try to help things understand. You know, today, for instance, is a big day for us. And you know the, the whole environment's a little different. The, the numbers are different. It's because some, of, some people that are not here now were here in the first service. Some people that have never been here are here. And, it's, and it gets all, all mixed up. So, so that's awesome. And what we want to do was to make room. So what we did is we divide, split up, and make room. So look around; you got room to bring people in with you now. Amen. You got, you know, you got room that people can come in comfortably. And then when you bring them in and make more room, you know what? Then we divide again, and we divide, and we divide, and we divide. Because how many of you know? If we continue to to spread ourselves here, then we can continue to multiply what's going to be happening in heaven. Amen. Right. So every step, I want to say that we, we, don't, we never make changes just for the sake of making change. I, I love change. I'm, I'm a fanatic for change. I, I'm like, hey, let's just tear something up and change it. But as a, as a church, you know, we never make change just for making change. We do things strategically. We look at number one and say, golly, thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Thank you, Jesus, for the lives that have been changed and transformed and made new. And number two, to say, Lord, where in the world are you leading us to next? And then, based on that, and kind of wrestling with that, we, we make decisions. We make decisions, just like I ask you every single week. What do, what do we do every single week in some form or fashion, and encourage people? What's your next step? Maybe maybe you know what you come in, and maybe it's just hey, I've been been drinking the juice for a while, and I enjoy what's going on. But I know today's the day. That it's time to really surrender my life to Jesus Christ and make a profession of faith and give my trust Jesus with my next step. After that, you know what? It's the next step. Saying hey, I'm gonna. I, I believe that I'm going to lay my life down. I want to do the representation. I want to follow Jesus through the order of baptism, taking a next step. And the next step after that, you know what, I want to become a part of the church. I want to be no longer a receiver, but a giver. I want, I want to be. I don't want to be a spectator, but a participator. And so then, you know what, we open those channels up, and we have big welcome church parties on a regular basis and to get connected into the vine. And, and you know what, it's a next step. But how many of you know the next steps never stop in the ways that Jesus is leading us? Do you get that? So for us, you know, you, me, us, the church, this is where we are today is like a next step. And next steps are always like, well, I wonder how it's going to feel. And it don't matter. Because you take a next step because you know where Jesus is leading you. And you know where he leads is to abundance and to better and to blessing and to provision and to seeing people giving their lives to Christ. With each step of obedience we take, it blesses even someone else. So how many of you are ready to take a next step with your life today? Yeah, awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, today that's good because we're going to talk about the devil. So today we're we're kicking off a brand new series called When the Devil Knocks. When the Devil Knocks. And I love, I've been waiting since January to get to here. I'm so pumped that June finally arrived and brought heat with it. I mean, how appropriate. Talk about the devil when it's hot. Well, we'll leave it. But it's very, very hot, you know, this time of year right now. So it's so appropriate. But here we go. This is what we will do uh, just to let you know where we're going. We, you, what you can expect. What we will do in this series is, you know what, we will just, let's be honest, and just face the reality of who the devil is. We'll talk a little bit more about that, where he came from and what all that kind of stuff next week. But who he is, what his mission is, and if I can say this very bluntly, how to kick his tail in Jesus' name. How to, how do you know what, not just say I'm coming back, having, having to always get up, get up, get up, but how to stand, you know what, stand up, face, have the confrontation, and keep going on in Jesus' name. And some may wonder Like, why in the world would a church, I mean, you're about Jesus and about advancement. It's about heaven. Why would the church have a whole entire series about the devil? I cannot wait. One day I dream of having a series called the Burning Hell series. But we're not there yet and we'll have a whole series about hell because you know what it's a very real place that people need to know about we're hardcore grace, hardcore you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus you're made brand new you're the head you're the overcomer and we'll get into more of that in a minute but we're hardcore in that but you know what there's also there's another side there's the enemy who has a mark on your life and it'd be a, you'd be be a fool to just ignore that he's there we're not defeated we're overcomers but you know what we're aware of an enemy so therefore we continue to look for where our enemy is coming so we continue to conquer the enemy at every step and the blessing of that is you know what the benefits roll into the lives of those around us When we see how the enemy is attacking us then we can be wise to it and you know what And it does not destroy us from the plan of rescuing other people in the midst of it so it's easy the reason we talk about the devil for a whole series is you know what the bible talks about the bible talks about the devil Devil a whole lot. In fact, I believe the Bible talks about him. The world suffers for him. The media romanticizes him. And can I just be honest? I would be willing to say that most of us don't even really too much believe in him. And yet today we want to also lead people. So I believe it's time that, you know what, we empower people against him. In fact, there's a story about the devil that goes like this. I don't know, you may have heard it before. Um, I don't remember where I picked this up at, and I've tried to Google it. I was like, surely this is like a famous story that somebody's used a good journey time. But I never could find it, so I had to kind of work off a little bit of memory, but, um, which is very hard in my world. But so the, the story of the devil goes like this. Many, 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 many centuries ago, the devil was starting to lose ground. He, had, You know, the whole Adam and Eve scenario, he really kind of got a good advantage going there. He had some real headwind going, but he began to lose ground. And so they began to think. Say, so you know what? A lot of people starting to come to Jesus. They're, they're understanding grace and salvation, and being be brand new. And they begin. And he's losing ground. Hell is starting to lose its influence. And so the devil caught in all the mighty angels, his demons with him, and the, the top of the elite, the captains of the captains of the captains. You know, way on up, upper elite. Said, guys, we gotta have a meeting. We gotta figure out a way, something to do. We are losing ground, and it's time we re-strategize our plan and come back. And they're like, we're in, you know. And so they meet up, and they start writing about dusk, and they go, the meeting goes all night long. They come up with all kinds of ideas. First, they're just like, hey, let's just go, you know, let's go break some legs, and let's go cause some pain, and people get mad, and they go, and God, you know, they went through all the little dumb ideas. And then they finally started getting, landed on things a little bigger. They said, I know, I know one guy come up. He said, I got, I, got, I got it, I got it. What we'll do is we will we will um, tell people that God doesn't love them anymore. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but that's really just not really hitting home, you know. Uh, at some point, you know, people just kind of wash over and, and somebody else would come along and show people how much God really does love them, then we lose the ground. Uh, that's not really a good plan. No one says, I know, I know, I know, we'll, uh, I'll tell you, we will uh, just convince the world. We'll we'll going to tell people that, that Jesus really didn't die for their sins. He really didn't come. Like, oh, you know, it's just too much history that backs up. Too many things to pour, too many things cross that line I, I really don't think it's going on. i i know we'll get people addicted and we'll we'll provide more things and more hobbies and more chemicals and more things to addict them and and to take their time and to take their mind it's like yeah it sounds great but then they'll you know they'll these christians will just make these centers and they'll make homes and they'll make places to help people find recovery and and they'll find recovery not just from what they went through but find a new life in christ and oh we Nothing really. They just wrestled and wrestled and wrestled all night. Oh, finally, as the sun is starting to pop up, one, one head demon that had been sitting in the background the whole time just been listening and processing and listening processing. I got it. What? I got it. I got it, guys. This is great. They'll says, well, what is it? He says, we're not going to tell people that God doesn't exist. We're not going to tell people Jesus doesn't exist. We're not going to give more problems. We're not going to focus on all that. How about we just back up a little bit and we'll just convince people you don't exist. What do you mean? Well, if you don't exist, then nobody's really going to care all that much about what God has to say because there's really no other side to this. And you know what? The meanwhile, we can just be laying a war against them and their families and their homes. And the whole time, they will continue to pursue avenue after avenue, thinking they are coming up with their own ideas to fix problems and fix situations and find happiness and have no idea we are the ones behind everything that is falling apart in their world. They will blame everyone around but you. And that gives us the advantage. I like it, I like it. And so there's actually a quote that goes back. And this saying has been going on for years and years, but it goes back. You can actually find it traceable all the way back to the 16th century where a man said, the greatest trick that the devil ever has done is to convince a world that he no longer exists. In the 16th century. Wow. You ever think things are getting worse and worse? Oh, man, dude. Do you realize it's been bad? Can you imagine? We're talking, I, I don't know, what, 16, 20, I guess that's five centuries back. If my math is right, I only passed math because the teacher like my mama. So, I mean, y'all help me out. Now, that's true. That's not even a joke. But, but for real, I'm thankful for my mama. So, but 500 years ago, there was an awareness that, you know what? that was just ransacking people and nobody even acknowledges his existence or cares have you ever been around you've seen debates and you've seen people get mad and you've probably seen the people holding the signs you know you're all you're all gonna burn tonight because you got the wrong octane gas or whatever the latest thing they're mad at you about but let, me, let me ask you this or debate and these people on TV you know they want to debate and you had these big uh, theological somethings I don't know have you ever seen an argument or a debate w- when people were arguing if the devil is real or not? Like, there's not a debate out there. You, you can, I, I didn't try YouTubing it, but I bet you could like search it on YouTube and you like, the devil debate. Is he real? You know, I, no, you find all the God debates, you find all that. No, pe- no, what do people do? They argue about God. Why? Because the world doesn't even consider the devil. But, John, but Jesus said this about the devil in John 10, 10. He says, that he called him the thief. He says, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full or have it more abundantly. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus acknowledged the devil. Jesus didn't talk lightly about the devil at all. And this is why it's important to note: If we don't consider him a threat, if we do not even consider him an enemy that is plotting our harm, then we will never resist him when he is destroying everything around us. Consider this. What happens? To, what's a natural thought process when something bad happens? We'll, we'll, we'll make some physical and some emotional examples. Something physical. I mean, maybe, maybe it's something bad happens to someone. Maybe it's cancer. Maybe it's abuse. Maybe it's, some, maybe it's a lost job and so therefore lost income and then it's all the way down to a lost home. And it's, Maybe it could be something emotionally bad. Like someone gossips, Woo-hoo. they said something about me and they spread lies about you. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's something emotional and because, just anger because of what someone said and because they said it at work and because, because of what they said and that's what you said back and you ended up getting fired because you couldn't control the emotion. Maybe the, maybe the physical destruction of some sort of, what is some sort of common response when there is physical destruction? that happens around it? Abuse, a neglect, people suffering, me suffering. What's, what's the typical, can, can we just go right to the source? Why me? Right? Or, or we, or maybe another response would go something like this. Have you ever been here? God, why did you let this happen to me? Right? It is not fair. Have you ever said any of this? Emotional, maybe it was an emotional destruction of some sort. What's our normal response to an emotion, an emotional turmoil? If they wouldn't have done that, then I wouldn't have done what I did. Why don't, why? I, I would, the reason I want a divorce is because of you, right? I can't take you, you, you. It's always somebody else. Maybe it's... The other guy said something first. And if he wouldn't have said something, then I could have kept my mouth shut, but he knew how to push my buttons. And when he said something about my mama, it was, oh, I don't care if I'm 48. I have still got a little junior high in me, you know? Why, have you, have you ever, what do we do when destruction is knocking at our door and, and it's happening all around us? Don't we typically blame? Blame. And the other idea we usually come up with is, I think, Blame. And who do we blame? They blame God so often. They blame others. Who rarely ever, ever, ever shows up in the conversation? The devil. The source. Who rarely, I mean, have you considered how obsolete he is? Look at what Peter, Peter is a guy who knew about some failures. He knew about some attacks. Look what he says in 1 Peter five eight. He says, stay alert. Let's just stop right there because there's revelation in the punctuation. Remember, he says, stay alert, alert, alert. Like, have you ever been, have you ever been woken up from a dead sleep because you heard something and it scared the the who knew out of you? You know, like, ah! and whether you say it, whether you're a verbal person or whether you're an internal person, at some level, it was still a scream to you because it was going, what, what, who is it? Who, huh? who's there? Huh? Right? And you jump up and like grabbing bazookas and jumping out and just ready to take it on, wishing, if you're like me, when Callie does this to me, oh man, I feel like I lose years of my life. I'm like, I'm going to die before I'm 50. It's going to happen. You've done taking like 10 and 20 years off at the time. And it wakes up like this, because it, it goes like this, Danny, 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 wake up, somebody's in the room. I'm like, why are you telling them we know? The element of surprise is gone. Somebody's about to pounce me. I'm just thinking... Don't you get them? You know, but you—you know—you—you you noticed it. Do something about it first. Help a brother out. No. What do we do? We freak out. Sometimes, maybe, maybe I hear some of my, my guy friends jumping up and sitting on the bed for about the next 30 minutes with a pistol and just watching. You know, wishing that we all would have stepped. If you've got an Alexa, you're a blessing. And if you've got an Alexa that controls your lights, then you're obviously a because then you could just say, "Alexa, turn the lights." Alright, we're clear, you know. Peter said this. He says, stay at my point Is this. He says, stay alert. Like, wake up. Get out of the stupor. But then he follows it up with this. Watch out. Stay alert. Watch out. Stay alert. Watch out. Like you're on a tightrope. Stay alert. Watch out. For your great, your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion. He's your great enemy. Watch out for him. Watch out for when we are making more money and working more hours but losing our marriage. Watch out! And we're always correcting our child in frustration but never taking the time to have a developing conversation and we see him pulling away. Watch out! Watch out! Stay alert! Why? 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 Because he prowls. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You know, I don't think about this too much, but if you ever go back, actually, it's just like the light bulb went off probably within the last year. Honestly. I was reading something about Bible and talking about lions. I was like, I sound stupid. But I was like, where is Israel anyway with all these lions? Lions are in Africa. And then you pull up on that like, oh, it's right there. <laughs> right next to it. And come on around the loop there, around the sea, and you got Greece, where if you look back, going to the Roman days, where they are right here in the text of the scripture, where they threw people out in the colosseums, and everybody cheered to see people fight lions. You remember? We, we think of it so flippantly when David and Goliath, and David said, uh, "When a lion or a bear came to steal my father's sheep, I wrestled it, you know, with my bare hand, ripping their jaws." You know, we think about Samson reaches into a lion's The Lions were like. For you and I, we go to a zoo in which they do something. For lions, for them, they would see them and hope they didn't do something. You know, they were, they were a living, prowling animal. So Peter is using an example that the people knew. If you read up on lions, here's the awesome thing about them. They're massively impressive animals. I mean, most of us have seen either a real or, or a pretend or a picture of a lion or, or a Discovery Channel playing Earth kind of view of a lion or something. We've got some sort of, some sort of mentality. But you know what I realized? When I started looking, I was just like, why would he compare the devil to a lion? I get the whole prowling, okay, it fits. But there's gotta be more to it than that. And I got looking up on lions, you know what I found out? Lions look beastly. But actually they're they're a weak animal. I was like, really? How do you see this thing scared, it got the teeth and the fangs and the, blah, and the king of the jungle? But if you read up on lines, you know they're so massively impressive. But, but they're not as strong as we think they are. And what I mean is this: not because of the outside, but not because of the appearance, but because of the internal operating of. They have some, they're they're these big animals with small lungs, and big animals with a small heart. And so what happens is, you you know how it is. They run out of wind real quick, quicker than the animals that they're seeking to devour. There's a whole other sermon right there. But, but they aren't as strong as, as we may think. They have small lungs, small hearts. So what, what are they known for? If you ever see them on TV or see them on like a Discovery National Geographic, what are they doing? They always got that picture of them just crouching through the grass, right? The grass is always brown. It's their color. It's about right here on their head height. They're just creeping through. And we see them. What do they do? They're following at a distance. They're creeping up. They see a thing out there. They're not getting up on the mountain and saying, oh, I'm coming to get you. No. They're just prowling. and They creep. And then once the lion—here's the trick—once the lion, they get closer and closer and closer and ease up and creep up. And once the lion has been allowed by an unaware victim to get so in a certain range, that's when he pounces and attacks by an unsuspect to an unsuspecting victim. Studies show the interesting thing to me. I think of lions tough, big, bad. You know, they, they followed this group of lions for a while. They watched them hunt by themselves. They watched them hunt in groups and all these things. And when a lion's hunting and trying to, to get his food out there, you know what? It, it has like a 30% success rate of actually catching what it's going after. Imagine if you had a 30% success rate of cooking supper. You'd be hungry. One third. Actually, I guess it's more than that, but one third just makes sense to me. But it's a little bit less than that. 30% is what i saying is this. The lion is, looks fierce, has intimidation, but is highly unsuccessful. But this isn't the most powerful part. Let's back up. Let's, let's get a little context Peter. Let's back up. Because this isn't where Peter started the conversation. Peter, Peter brings out this on the tail end of something that he said that was so much more awakening and powerful. It's what makes this. He makes the cake in the first two verses, and this is the icing he puts on it. So here we go. Back up to verse 6, if you will, Carlos. He says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he, say this part with me, he will what? Lift you up in honor roll verse 7 give all your worries you probably heard before, and your cares to God for he cares about you sounds good God cares cast it verse 8 stay alert watch out for your great enemy the devil he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour you know what James could have wrote this Paul could have wrote this in even later. We could have books by, by the other Judas who didn't go bad. We could have it by Bartholomew and Andrew and, and Thomas. And, and Nicodemus could have wrote a book. I mean, anybody could have. We could read this. Timothy could come along later. Ph- Philemon could write it, even though it was a letter to Philemon. But he could have wrote his own book. We could, it could have been by anybody. And it would have been great. It would have been Scripture. It would have been right. But I love, have you noticed God positions Certain words come out of certain people because he presents a certain power because of the backstory that's coming with the words they're using. It's not just words they know by, by, what they, by book knowledge, it's what they know by experience and by the overcoming victory. And they say, you know what, because of where I've been, let me tell you what to watch out for so that you can continue to walk the path that Christ has in front of you. So watch this. Because here, here's Peter. If any of the other guys would have been it would have been good, it would have been true. But Peter, let's consider Peter for a minute. Peter is a man that is so consumed with the cares of wanting to get back at those that abused him, that ruled him, that looked down on him. Peter, when Jesus finds him and says, hey, follow me and you'll be fishers of men. Peter's like, I'm on board. I lose, I'm leaving everything behind. But Peter, if you follow Peter's journey, his number one thing is to get back at the Romans and to get in power. Even when Jesus is about to be crucified, like, hey, when are we going to take our place? When we about to bring the house down and put the Romans where the Romans belong so Israel can be back where it's supposed to be? Jesus continually leading, continually leading. You watch how Peter, Peter, he, he, he agreed, yeah, I'm fisherman, and had no idea he was still so full of his mission. Peter was so consumed with wanting earthly status that he was blind to the fact that Jesus had given him the authority to bring heaven to earth, that he literally had the kingdom of God flowing through his veins. And had no clue because he was so consumed with the things that he wanted around him. Peter missed. Peter missed that Jesus was preparing him for nearly four years. He was preparing him to establish a church that is still rescuing lives today. We may have a quote about the devil being forgotten that goes five centuries back, but we gotta, But Peter's legacy goes back a couple of thousand years. The evidence is still rolling because he content, he did rise up and walk in the faithfulness and do the thing that Jesus called him to do. You and I are still the recipients of the favor of his finished work and what he was doing then. Do you realize the things that God calls you to do goes way beyond us? Peter missed for nearly four years as a follower of Jesus, because he cared so much about the things that he didn't like in the moment that he blamed others for. I wonder. I wonder who come in here today and, and is trying this church thing and trying this Bible reading thing and going through doing the checklist and going off and having this daily routine and we're going going because, you know what, we're thinking, oh, it's going to get me out of something. You know, it's going to make me better. It's going to get my emotions right. It's going to get me out of a, out of a predicament. And we're, we have no idea. We're just trying to go through something and oblivious that we are just, not just getting free, but that each, with each step, Jesus is also empowering us. Empowering us, not just for ourselves to be free, but to see other people become free as well. To rescue others. That the kingdom of God is not just powerful, But it is powerful through you. He missed it though. Peter did for nearly four years because he cared so much about the things that he didn't like in the moment. Things that he continued to blame others for. And he had no idea that when he was most confident in himself, when he was most confident in his opinions, and when he was most confident in his rightness that he was, that he felt like he was actually the strongest but he was actually the weakest and the most oblivious that he had ever been. You ever consider that our opinions of how right we are and noticing how wrong other people are in their spiritual growth isn't a sign of maturity? It's not. But it's revealing that, you know what, we have become oblivious, that Jesus empowered us to rescue those that we're wasting time casting opinions toward. Matthew 16, 23. Look at this. Let's, let's do a little quick roll through Peter. Let's just kind of catch some high points. Let's start in verse Matthew 16. It says, Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan, for you are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Wow, he rebuked Peter. called him Satan. We know Peter wasn't Satan. So Satan must be speaking through Peter. And it's a trap. But the trap... Was because Peter was speaking from a human point of view, not from God's point of view. Ooh, I wonder if we let that sit in that the traps that are laid. We can notice the trap is set when we're always seeing it from our point of view, and we're not observing from God's point of view. But you know, it sounds it sounds rough. But here's the icing on the cake. Let's drop back a couple of verses. Just like within five verses or so before that's the thing. Verse seventeen. Listen. This is same chapter. Jesus rebuked him. Get behind me, Satan. Same chapter, different verse. Just moments before the scripture, I don't know if it may have been days, may have been hours, but regardless, it's quick. Jesus replied. He just looked at Peter and said, who do you think I am? And you are the Christ, the Son of God. You know, and he rolls out. And Jesus just says, whoa, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, talking to Peter. Because my Father in heaven revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. There's no human point of view. Keep rolling. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means you're a rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. That's verse 19. By verse 23, he's saying, get behind me, Satan. Because you're seeing Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. You're seeing things from a human point of view. You see how quick, do you you realize how quickly we can flop when we go back to our own reasoning? Truth be known, when the problem arises, I say problem because it's so vague, it's so wide. I know there's big deals and little deals. There's me deals and you deals and us deals. I, I, I get that. But in the average, the average response to the friction and the frustration is the average response to begin looking for ways that we can fix it, whether that's truly fix it or say, shut up, get out of my face, kind of fix it, whichever way that may go. We look for ways to fix it with compassion or, or anger. Is is the normal response to go that method or to back up and, the, and, and, and at the onslaught of the friction, the, the beginning of the friction to go, God what is what's the piece of this that you want me to have what what do you how do you want me to operate right here you've allowed this onto my plate it's right here in front of me obviously you trust me you've equipped me i believe the kingdom of god runs through my veins because i follow you i trust you i believe that you are the risen savior the son of god who gave your life for me so i trust that you know what you took all of me and gave me all of you and i i I, and in that authority and that trust Jesus, how would I, how would you have me respond from this day forward in this matter? We probably don't go there too often, do we? I'm not trying to condemn, but you know what? Sometimes we just need to watch out. Look, Peter Peter rolls on. First thing Peter does when he gets blessed, Proverbs says, "A man is tested by his praise. It's kind of like you know getting a bonus at work and then all of a sudden not showing up. You know, it's kind of like, kind of like you're you're wanting to serve and help somebody and, and just you know providing maybe you're bringing some food or doing some things or taking them out to lunch and then all of a sudden they start saying what a great person you are and then you just start thinking what a great person you are and you're having friends all of a sudden. You know, I mean it's it's amazing. We're tested by our our praise and this is what Peter does. Jesus praises him. Flesh and blood, and I reveal this, Simon, Simon, son of John. And he goes on, Peter, you are a rock, and upon you I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And all these things are going to stand. And the very first thing Peter does when he gets that kind of a of blessing and word from the Lord is, is he begins to be telling Jesus how Jesus' plan stinks and his is better, and he begins correcting Jesus on what Jesus is going to do. Matthew 26, 33 rolls on. We say, all right, you know, everybody has their bad days, but time rolls on. I love that Peter is the one who told us to watch out. Peter answered, this is right before Jesus is about to be crucified. He said, I'm going to have to die. got hands. This is mystery. Watch out! got hands waving through the door. I won't mess with them. And apparently they'll slap you in the face when you walk up to it. I have no idea who that is I'm picking on. Um, but he goes on and th- he's about to be crucified and this is what he says in Matthew in, in, in 26. He says, Peter, Peter responds, oh! Jesus says, every one of you is going to desert me and leave me. Even if all, all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. I will never walk away. I, he says, I will never desert you. And Jesus looks around verse 34 and just said, yes, you will. Verse 35 rolls back. Peter comes back and says, no, even if I had to die with you, I will never deny you. And everybody else is like, yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. Why? But did he? Did he deny? Why? Because it was the plant? Eh, plans could have been different. It would have been rearranged way back when but plans could have been different. Peter you consider man this dude has some real struggles to overcome because of this choice that he made. He had a lot of condemnation that weighed on his mind. A lot of failure that weighed on his mind. A lot of embarrassment. A lot of shame. The testimony of Peter is what makes his plea to us in the book that he got to write in the Bible so radically audacious. It's not just words. It's a man who has been rescued from the arrogance. Rescued from the shame. And rescued from the place where he blamed everyone, even Jesus, for what happened to him. What we were looking at in Peter is a testimony of a man who knew the Romans that ruled him and that hated him. He knew what anger was towards man because he suffered at somebody else's expense. He did not know that every time he set his eyes on someone to blame though, that the devil was just stalking up. Every time he's like, it's your fault and your fault. Every time the devil's going, do-do, do You know, and you see those little shoulders pop up. Too-too. With every arrogant and every self-reliant, headstrong, stubborn, Jesus-blaming thought, the devil that he never considered was prowling closer. We could say it when the devil isn't considered, he's always prowling closer. Though he had, though Peter, for Peter, he had all of heaven at his disposal. He never utilized it because he never saw the devil behind every idea of who he was blaming. I'm going to be very vulnerable for a moment if I can, and hopefully to, to help some other people. But i just throw something I, I think a lot of people can relate to. If not, maybe you will one day or maybe you've seen it. Maybe you've experienced it on the bad side of this. But can I just say, being a parent is stinking hard. It is, and I mean, I'm all about. I, I watch y'all. Mm-hmm. You got older kids than me. I'm watching whether I want to follow your tracks or not follow your tracks. But you know, I, I'm I'm watching like what what where's the, the 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 where's the system that brings out perfect people, and being parents hard. And so what happens is this: I end up finding myself. I I will admit I can be. I find I don't intentionally. I never plan on it. It just it happens. I can find myself being a very overbearing parent. And if you've ever been raised in a really strict home, you, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, when I get out of this house, Phew, blowing it up, baby. You know, but... I can be overbearing without even ever meaning to. And I can throw all the excuses all day long. I can say, well, I see what my children, and this is true, I see what my children are capable of, every one of them, and I just know what is in there. And when I see them do something dumb, make an unwise choice, uh, it urges me. and I just think, you know what, I can correct it for some kind of way. I think I can correct them out of it. I think I can correct them back into the wise path because I know it's in there. And then there are those times because of that that I get to see the hurt in eyes. see when it got pushed a little too far. And I see, I see just that, man, I can't do anything right, can I? How many of you know that's a that's a low feeling? It's a low feeling to land in a place you never meant to land while trying to do something that was so good. And a little while back, I was, God let me see, in one particular instance I was made aware, and God let me see that what I was attempting to force in the right way was a result that I was not considering. They didn't, my children do not need greater correction. They need correction, don't get me wrong. They do not need greater correction. They need greater guidance. But you know the problem that that, that comes with greater guidance? It requires not more of them, it requires more of me. That's why I'd love to correct. It it requires less of me. Hey, you shouldn't have done that, do that, fix that. Uh, It doesn't matter who's to blame, just suck it up, deal with it, apologize, roll on. Greater guidance requires so much more. So the poor choices are no longer something that I can blame them for. The poor choices in order to have God's outcome, the only way to have it have God's outcome is, you know what, it requires me to humble myself under God's mighty power and, and trust that, you know what, at the right time, He will bring the honor of His trust back to the forefront. He cares far about my kids than I do. I'm grateful that the Holy Spirit brings an alertness that the devil's plans to devour. I'm grateful that the Holy Spirit is like, choo-choo, look what's going on. You're trying, you're trying so hard to do something that you're going way over the top. This is all your point of view, Danny. You're pushing too much. But today, well, I want to ask you this. Where's the friction that you end up blaming others for? Think about it. Where, where is the friction, the frustration? Where, where is the friction that you blame everyone else around for that? Blame everyone. It's his fault and her fault and they wouldn't have said and they wouldn't have done. And they knew they shouldn't have showed up and they know how to push my buttons. And I shouldn't have, they they lied about me. Where's the person, where's the situation that we blame everyone else for? Blame everyone not seeing that it's the devil that's proud. What, let me ask more like this. What is the worry that keeps you up? What is the, that makes anxiety high what is it that you're even more frustrated with because none of your ideas to fix it have fixed it yet y'all land there can i tell you if you are a follower of jesus this is the beautiful beautiful part all of heaven flows through your veins so you know what your mouth is a tool empowered by heaven to bring healing with everything that it speaks. You have prayers that tear down strongholds that nothing else can move in any kind of way. You have all the power of God Almighty. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. You have a God who fights for you. Not just a God you serve, but who takes the front line of every system. So get so Peter's saying this, so get alert, get alert, get alert, because the devil... He's just lightly knocking. Oh, you didn't freak out? Oh, you didn't freak out? And he's cracking the door. Ah, that was nothing. Probably just the wind. Don't blame it on the wind. And he's creeping. And he's creeping. He's knocking on the door lightly in the middle of the night. But the response that Peter's saying, when you hear that, when you have that, why did that? I can't believe somebody would. If they say one more time, take it like it's that light knock in the middle of the night where you go, you don't go. Oh, that's nothing. You go. Wait, wait. Who is it? Who's here? Try turn the lights on oh and then all of a sudden you can look and you would be like oh no devil I see I see the signs I see what's happening oh no devil not today devil you're defeated by my God devil who carries the keys to your place of death hell and the grave then you can begin talking back you know what I'm not blaming anymore, devil I hear you knocking I see you creeping I'm looking at you I'm the one on the mountain seeing you try to creep up I just want to tell you when you come this way greater is he who's within me than he who, who is in the world and that's you you know what I am, you are prowling you are prowling, but my God says I'm, you're defeated. And I want to let you know how you're defeated because then you're not hoodwinking me anymore. I'm not blaming anymore. From now on, devil, when you show me something to blame, I'm just going to proclaim. I'm going to proclaim, get, proclaim, get behind me in the name of Jesus. Get behind me. Be, get there as far because you know what? There are far more with me than there are with you. You've got a third, but i got two thirds. You better back up. I am saved. I am sealed. I am healed. I am delivered. I don't care about yesterday because I'm humbling myself today. To so the one, only one who is able to raise me back up. Oh no 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 no! I'll come. You, you, I see you creeping, but I know you you, you don't have much stamina, and I know you can't run very far. And so you know what? I know you even act like you're coming in, as as the Old Testament says says you're coming in like a flood. You like to be big and intimidating, but you know what? My God raises up a standard, puts a gate in front between me and you. You have nothing to touch here. I'm not looking back to my point of view. I'm seeing it from my God's point of view, and His promises are for my protection and my guardianship and my care. And He's leading me according to His standard and His glory on the path. That he has for me. You know what he he goes on to say I'm not going to blame anymore, but I'm going to begin to proclaim. This is how we fight back. This is how we awaken up. This we can proclaim. You know what? Well, why is this happening to me? You know what? Psalms 37:23 says, hey, hey, my steps are ordered by the Lord. The devil is attempting like, man, you shouldn't have even gotten this place. No, 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 no. Because see, Psalm 16, 6 says, My boundary lines fall in pleasant places. My God is in control of all. Of well, how are you ever going to get through? Because you know you let Him go, and you needed Him for a little bit of fallback. And if, if somebody ain't gonna pay your bills, you I had to drop this God thing because it ain't been, oh, no, 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 no. Because you see, my provision is abundant, according to Philippians 4. 19 because my god owns the cattle on a thousand hills but he, you know what he's got plenty in psalms 50 10 that he don't have to even sell a one to take care of me i'm easy for him i'm not looking out anymore because I'm, I'm not looking down anymore because now i'm looking to where my help comes from according to psalms 121 and 2 no longer i'm no longer going to be angry because i'm a forgiver i'm no longer going to be defeated because you know what romans 8:37. paul told me i'm more than a conqueror i'm an overcomer in jesus name no more to blame because I'm going to proclaim, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's not by force, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord, Zechariah 4.6. It's not, the blame game has got to go. I love wh- what Jesus says, and he passes the favor on to you and I. It comes in Luke 4.19. Jesus shows up, and this is how people recognize who Jesus was. Jesus has come, he had been through the temptation, he's about to go through some things, and, he, and it's time to show people who he is, and this is how he does. He stands up and he says, you know what? He says, I, I am anointed to open the eyes of the blind, to set the captives free, and he continues on with the field, and he says this, He's quoting out of Isaiah, and he says, And I'm here to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I know the Romans are ruling you. Peter, if you're listening out in the boat, I know you got anger issues with people you blame for your problem. But I want to let you know from in here, from the temple to outside in the streets, I'm coming to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the Lord's favor. You see, we're reading 1 Peter 5. But in 1 Peter 2, he'd already laid out a track for them. He'd already told everybody who they were. This is you. If you're a follower of Christ, listen to this. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You don't a paparazzi can't handle you. You are a holy nation. You are his his. His with a capital H. You are God's own special people that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light that you may He says you're holy you're special his possession he holds you all 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 of you is guarded by his authority you you know I don't even know how to talk to people no 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 because you're a royal priesthood you've been through the you've been through the seminary of testimony all because that we may proclaim the praise of what it's like to come out of darkness. Answer to the light. Amazing. Come. 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 You realize I can't say Jesus, Jesus didn't come to rescue out of a hole. I can use the scripture to kind of swing that away, but so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a Step into the light. You know what you know what happens never and never once never once i'm serious there's we don't hang out just laying in our bed all day or anything at home by the hall. you know I, but there, there's a rare occasion just later a little later there's a rare occasion getting to lay there when the daylight is up it's just like and never once when the lights come up has one of my kids come to the door they have come to the door but never once did they come same knock that happens at night. Cause see, they only do this like twice a year, knock in the middle of night. That's why it's so freaky. But never once did they come in the morning in the daylight. They come and knock a lot. Never once did they come with. And, and Kelly kind of goes, "Wait, wait, somebody's in the room, Danny." Never one time in the daylight has it happened. But in the dark, it always happens. What am I saying? Jesus said, you got a devil. He's out to defeat you, but don't freak out. Just step over into the light. Just come out of the darkness. Everything's freaky in the darkness. Everything's scary in the darkness. Everything's nervy in the darkness. There's all kind of agendas in the darkness, and there's all kind of creepers and gremlins and things coming to life in the darkness. Just come into the light. What does that look like? Well, for Peter, it was this. Quit seeing things from your point of view. It was Peter. Step back into this place where I can say, your flesh and blood didn't reveal to you the things you're saying right now. People will think you're crazy whenever you're going through, going through all tragedy in this world and you continue to walk in peace. They will think you are nuts. People will think you are crazy when you forgive. People will think you are crazy when you let go. People will think you are absolute nuts, but you, but you know what? Doing because because it's not fleshly. And you're in the light and you get to say, you know what? I'm glad you noticed that because God placed me here as a royal priesthood beckoning for you. I'm going to proclaim it is my Jesus who brought me out of here and I want to beckon you come out of the darkness and over here with me. You will love it. You won't have to freak out anymore and you know what when the devil is prowling it's okay because you're in the light and you can see him from a long ways off and God's not not only got a boundary line he can come so far anyway so it's no big deal. We can just laugh at him and keep walking and carrying out the plans that God has for our life. The devil, watch out! But don't be confused. He's defeated. So Lord Jesus, I thank you for your favor. I thank you, Lord, that when you come, you didn't say, I come to proclaim. Everybody get right and get out and come on now. But you say, I came, you came to proclaim the favorable year, Lord. And that favor is began and has continued ever since. When God stepped on earth. Earth became favor. When Jesus went to the cross, all of hell was defeated. And when he resurrected, it lost every attempt of a comeback. This is the God we serve. This is the one who gives his son Jesus Christ for This is Jesus who says, I willingly give my life. Nobody can take it. And he beckons for us today come out of the blame and begin to say, you know what? I lay my life and my emotions down freely. Nobody's making me. I'm just coming to the light. From this day forward, I'm going to walk in the peace of the Lord. And the authority of the Lord. And the anointing of the Lord. To say, you know what? I know I've got a lot of things that anybody can point out. But I'm going to continue to proclaim His goodness and His faithfulness. Because the things He has done in me are far greater than anything that is coming against me. Lord Jesus, pray even today and here today. Let there be healing down to the deep core of the memory, God. Even things that just need to be forgotten. That's rare case where it is, Lord, just let a supernatural healing come over that. Offered to you in Jesus' name.